It's episode 87 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Holly Bartolo. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. I'm I like good. the waving. Yes. I don't know where that started. Oh, that's uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Um, let's talk about understandably improv. Yes. Who or what is that? Okay, so understandably improv. Um, there is six of us: um, two girls, four guys, um, myself, a lady called Caroline Morgan. Uh, ben Pearson, James Barras-Banks, James Stone, and Michael Lewis. Wow. And, um, yeah, we sort of, it's really weird. We dabble mainly in short-form improv, but we sort of have tried to intertwine it with a narrative, so it's sort of a story with short-form along the way. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're doing. Um, but it's really quite funny because a lot of people have issues with our name. <laughs> really? So, like... We thought it was quite easy to say because it came from the word understandably. It was, yes. We were doing the alphabet game a lot, is like practice, and it sort of it was always sort of for you. It always ended up being sort of understandably as our word, and that's how it became like an inside joke. And then someone mentioned, "Oh, let's do that as our name," and that's how it came. But I would say out of all of the shows we've done, eighty percent of people can't say the word understandably. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a video now on our Facebook page where we've all are saying it so we can send it to people before shows so they can actually see how to pronounce <laughs> our name. And um, we also um, have a shortened version of our name to try and avoid that too, called PS Improv. Right. It's sort of, you know, shortening it. Um, and we had a meeting before Christmas because a few of us were concerned. No one can say our name. Shall we actually change our name to PS Improv? And then the majority of our group were like, no, we will not change our name. We will stick by this name. People will learn our name. So we've kept the vote for them. So. And I've also seen you refer to them as punders as well. It's sort of, I think it's because it was sort of like a family. I'm doing air quotes for yeah. people who can't see me. Um it's sort of what we call each other, like, oh, you're a punder. It's sort of like, I suppose when you have, you know, like when you're a fan of a group, you start saying, or like, I'm like, I think Peter Andre's fans are called something like Andrettes or something. Or something. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a pop fact that I was not aware of. I interviewed a lot of huge Peter Andre fans one year for a show I was working Did on. you really? Yes, I did. <laughs> wow. Was this, uh, was this Insania area? Um, no, this was only about three or four years ago. Oh, right. And one of the people I interviewed, I know it's completely off topic, but it's quite a fun thing. One of the people I interviewed, her her and her husband, they have like a, a kid about seven years old, but one of their rooms in the house is a whole shrine to Peter Andre. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you learn a lot. But that we that's the idea of the whole punders thing, is we call ourselves punders. We should Just perhaps so. explain why you were interviewing Peter Andre fans. <laughs> Probably that's what your saying. job was. Right, you so were a social worker. It's like... Yeah, so what is your problem today? <laughs> no, I, I work in television. Um, I work as an editor, video editor now and motion graphics, but um, when I first started in TV, I was working as a graphic designer in all different departments as development. So one of my jobs was sitting in development meetings where they were coming up with ideas and then I would design like the layouts of these pamphlets that would go to all of the TV companies and show them what these TV ideas were. So um, 
randomly I knew all these people from school and from work of these crazy fans. So like I worked with someone um, in Greggs um, in Bournemouth that had spent over 30 grand on Gary Barlow merchandise. Wow. And like had six tattoos of Gary Barlow and wow. legally changed her middle name to Barlow. And I know, so I had all these people that I ended up interviewing that I hadn't spoken to for years about their things and then the Peter Andre lot um, I went to school with one of them um, we, we took them there's a thing called a taster tape in TV where you do like a tester tape or like a little showreel to show them um, we took them to Peter Andre's house and filmed them outside just waiting for him to come out and he wasn't there <laughs> and like sort of with presents and stuff for him so it's really weird some of the stories I could tell you but I don't think <laughs> so <Wow>. yes <laughs> so that's how pundas came about is sort of in rehearsals we were just always calling ourselves pundas and it's sort of stuck and we quite like it because it's sort of like oh we're family so. <laughs> <laughs> so. so how how does this being a family display itself do you argue all the time and is one of you very racist at Christmas <laughs> no <laughs> well I don't spend Christmas with people with them so uh, as far as I'm I'm putting my hands down I don't know but <laughs> no, um, no we don't fight I think I think our group, I'm actually, it's amazingly, I'm quite amazed at how good it's been our group because the original group was me and a guy called James Stone and we formed with um, people that we did a course with last year with Stephen Davidson from Improbable. Oh yeah. And um, there was quite a few of us and it ended up being by, we formed in January last year and then by about February we'd lost a few people because some of them were actors, they had to go on tour. Um, so there was four of us, um, a guy called Kevin and a girl called Chloe was also there. Um, and that's how we, we came up with the name and stuff. Um, but then by April, May, completely out of the blue and completely two separate cases, um, Kevin was from America and Chloe was Australian and both around the same time, they both lost their visas. Oh, and no. So they both had to go away. So then we were looking for new people to join. Um, it was a bit up in the air where we were going to continue, but we thought, no, we love improv, let's see what we can do. And Caroline and James Burris Banks, we actually met at a drop in that C3 something used to do on Tuesdays. Oh, and we greatly missed C3 something that used to happen on Tuesdays. Bring them back! Come back, Caroline, <laughs> come back. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I was already friends with them both um, since I first moved back to London last year. And um, I knew that Caroline was desperate to be part of a group, even though she wasn't really a short former. Yeah. And James was sort of, he appeared, he came to some of our rehearsals because he had um, been to the drop-ins and sometimes it got, once it got cancelled and he ended up coming along and then he sort of stuck along. But he didn't properly join our group to the end, like August last year. And Caroline wanted to test out see if she liked it and she became a great fit so she <laughs> stayed and then Ben and Mike it was really weird because it was so random how we found them we, we needed new people and um, there was an improv picnic that happens in London as an annual thing between oh, yeah. Hoopla the nursery and the F you know everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I literally spoke to Ben and Mike for about 10 minutes each and I both took their Facebook details and they were in the group the next week and I tell you what, I never thought from just having a small conversation with people that they would end up being such a good fit. And yeah. like, it's crazy how well we fitted, like just from that tiny conversation. And now they're like, we all just blends. Like we all, we all have like, not disagreements, but like when we come up with new ideas, we always test new ways of working and stuff. It's not, we never fight, but it's just, I'm shocked at how strong 
our relationship and friendships are and like when you we've had even responses from people when they come to see us that they're actually shocked they actually love our energy on stage which yeah. i think is quite an important thing to do the sort of show that we're doing anyway so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. lovely that's really nice I mean, is there anything you've done to kind of engender that? Have we just been lucky with a combination of people? It's sort of... We haven't really done anything as in, like... We haven't had coaching or anything like that. It's sort of... Ben came from sort of a show background because he used to be part of a group called The Shambles up in York. Um, so he'd done quite a few shows at university with them. They're a short form. Um, and they've been to Edinburgh Fringe quite a lot as well. And it was really weird, actually. The week before he joined, I actually interviewed the Shambles for my blog, my right. site. So it was really weird <laughs> that we had managed to like this person that I had a photo of yeah. on my on, on my computer at home. I didn't realise it was him until obviously. So that was a bit weird. Well, so he came round and he saw, oh, Holly, you've got my picture on your computer. That's uh, that's an awkward moment. No, he told he told me his background, and I was like, I have your picture, and he was like. That's weird. <laughs> but because he's come from that sort of background, he's quite good at coaching. And then, so he, what we do is because um, he's very good at coaching from his experiences he's had. He brings a lot of games that he hasn't seen down in the, the South being performed, which we've done on stage and they've had good you know, feedback and stuff. So that's fun, that they're new stuff. And then we have James Stone, who's an act, who's used to be an actor. Um, I think he does a bit of acting still. I don't want to say he doesn't, because I'm sure he does. Um, but he comes from quite a good, strong acting background as well. So he brings that sort of thing to the table. Um, but then people like myself or Caroline or the other James, um, we sometimes come up with new ideas that may we like may not have even been done before or just silly little things just to test them so there's never been any arguments we just test stuff and see if it works and yeah. then if it doesn't work we try and wonder why it doesn't work or what we can bring and then also michael brings up as well i forgot you mentioned him he's sort of in the corner but no, he, he, you know everyone brings their own ideas along and stuff so it's not as if like and i think that's good that we are sort of bringing stuff to the table all the time and I think that's what works is that we all sort of bring something new or we yeah. try stuff out and you know we're not afraid to try something different each time which is good and it's really lovely that you've got a combination of people that works together that mm. well I don't know how common that is I like I said I was I was shocked to it to work so well because um there were a couple of people throughout the summer that we had join they were lovely people but obviously it wasn't probably the right time for them to be part of a group and you know it was trying to find people that would fit and even though the dynamics changed when Kevin and Chloe left because we were all completely different you know you meld to who you are when you're with new people hmm. um, I think it's it's just I think the more we work together that you know the stronger it becomes and because it was everyone was sort of connected because I knew them and I sort of brought them in um, it was quite I think the best thing that happened was is that I was on an eight week musical course with film them oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I went away when they were doing rehearsals I was sort of doing the musical stuff as well so I think coming away a little bit actually helped them sort of mould instead of being oh we know Holly and sort of going uh, that way it's quite nice to actually just sort of walk away let you know yeah. sort of everyone mould together without you know it was quite nice to walk away from it that's a, bit a really stuff, interesting so. uh, thing yeah not that I was controller, I wasn't doing anything like that, but I feel I feel sometimes when you when you introduce people, even in friends environments, like when you're like, Oh, there's a friend of a friend, I think sometimes to actually mould with the friend of a friend you sort of have to yes. have your time alone with them and yes. you know, it was sort of nice going out to this eight week course and then coming back after eight weeks and being like, Oh, they're they're so good together. So yeah. So if somebody came along to a Punders 
understandably yeah. PS Improv show, yeah. what could they expect? Uh, see, this way it gets even more complicated with names. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a show called Improv Towers. Um, it, it was based on an, another idea, but I'm going to tell you what the real life thing is that we're doing. So um, we have one host every show, and the host, we always rotate it, so it's not always the same host. And um, these improvisers have been sent to Improv Towers to um, test themselves to show how good they are at improv. <laughs> and whoever wins gets to leave the tower, but the rest of them have to stay and do all the social media stuff in the dungeon forever. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the concept of the show. <laughs> it's a really so. interesting interview process. <laughs> um, so, um, so, yeah, so each, each time we do it, we always change the host so everyone has to go doing that sort of thing. And with the host part, it's sort of a little bit scripted just so... Obviously, we, everyone brings their own personality to it, but because of the structure that we've got, it sort of needed to be slightly scripted to sort of bring the games in and sort of form together. So, yeah. <laughs> so what sort of thing would they say when they introduce the show? Um, welcome to improv. So we, we don't just go on. We have music. We have lights. We sort of jazz it up. And <laughs> the first time we did this properly, everyone like we didn't go on to. We we told the host not to introduce us, and just to make music come on. And I think no one knew what was going on because we were on a night where, like a lot of London, it was long form shows, and we yeah. were near the end. So all this music went on. Everyone, I think everyone was like, "What's going on?" And then there I come on with this. We've got like a hat and like um, a stick, which is made like of a um, skeleton hand called Bruce. Bruce the skeleton <laughs> <laughs> and then we all theme ourselves so I think I had like gothic makeup on because it was Halloween and then we go onto the music and go like something like welcome to improv towers my name's Holly the master of the keys and welcome to tonight's show <laughs> and, then it, and then it goes on that's <laughs> <laughs> a good flavour I feel we've got a flavour uh, so what sort of what sort of games do you then play Every single show we've done, we've tried to mix it up. Like, they're all short-form games, um, but we don't always want to do the same thing because you never know who's in the audience, if they've seen us before. And also, we like trying new stuff out too. So, um, if we're doing a 10-minute set, we tend to have three different sorts of games. So, the sort of games we try and do is the first game is either a group game where everyone's involved or um, something that's... Um, like sort of word, not word, like word based or something similar to that. So we've done story, story, die before. Um, what did we do in our last show? This is really bad. I should remember, but I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did. The, we tried a new game out, which was um, one that Ben used to do up north, and I think it's called Mirrors. So you have two people at the front of the stage facing each other, and then on the left-hand side of the stage, behind the person at the front, you have another person, and they're the mirror, and the person facing. The, it's a really complicated <laughs> imagine a triangle yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the person at the point of the triangle um, can only move when the person at the back of the stage moves so you, you're not in control of your body right, but yeah. you still have to play a consistent scene so um, we asked the audience for like um, sort of we used to do it with like an old fashioned job you would have in medieval times or something and then we would have to make a scene from that so the idea of the person at the front who's not being the puppet theirs is sort of to keep it like be the straight guy and sort right. of keep it sort of level and yeah. sort of deal with the crazy yeah. um so in the last few shows we've done that james uh, brass banks has been the guy that's been our straight he's very good at keeping a, a um a story on you know on a flat path yeah, yeah, and you've yeah. got this level of crazy going um and i've ended up being the puppet of the person puppeteering me and it's a really fun game and i think it's something that not a lot of people have seen because yeah. like 
Ben has been to a lot of shows in London and he hasn't seen people doing it so I don't yeah, know how yeah. many groups are doing it in London but we always had a good thing of it so it's, and it's fun to play as well so. yes now that sounds much better than Storyteller Die I'm really yeah I really don't like Storyteller Die you see it just goes on for ages you know what it's weird I think I've trained in Newcastle and I loved it in Newcastle but since coming down to London I don't like it in London <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is I don't, know whether it's, I don't know whether it was because of the show format in Newcastle but yeah. I don't like it in London and I don't know why oh I'm just a bit like oh do we have to Anyway, uh, I, like, I like the way of you have to keep a story going. Like I like that idea of it, but I don't know whether it's because I've got past doing that sort of game, or whether it's just I prefer the way I used to do. It. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know why. But I agree with the amount of people we were playing it with as well. It wasn't yeah. work. It you know it was just the first. It was the first show with all of us, so it was sort of like we tried it because you know we, we didn't have a lot of time to put at the time. Yeah, um, very, very standard, very popular yeah. game, perhaps. I am just seen a lot of shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, I agree, as a show format, it's not a good game. It's a good warm up game for like rehearsals and stuff, but I don't know if I like it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and then, so you start off with a kind of a word, does he say? More of a word or something yeah. that's sort of warming up the audience sort of game. And then the second game is always quite. It's either like it's sort of a longer game. We sort of make sure it's a longer because it's the middle bit you want. It's like yeah. a burger. You want the meat to be the thing, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's sort of about three or four people that tend to be it. So there's always one at the side. Um, so we've done um, commentator, sports commentator a few times. How does that work? So you have two people at the side that are the sports commentators, and then you have two people on the stage that are in the action space. I don't I keep doing these yes. weird thing, bunny fingers, sorry. And then you ask the audience for like a really mundane, boring task they do every day, so like brushing their teeth. And then the two people in the middle will then perform brushing their teeth as they're part of the Olympic Championships of brushing their teeth. So the commentators will set it up like, um, oh, we're here today, nice sunny London stadium, here to see James and Ben, sort, you know, and then you sort of beat them up. Um, we beat them up <laughs> warm them up with that sort of thing and then when it once they've introduced them they then say and they're off and then the two people that are performing they get competitive on stage of brushing teeth and it's quite fun because obviously the crazy of the improvising of um the action people doing the brushing the teeth the commentators have to justify yeah. but at the same time the commentators are throwing things in for them to actually do and yeah. It's really fun because you end up having things like people getting like knocked out with a toothbrush <laughs> or toothpaste being squirted in their eye, and it's um it's a really fun game to do. And I think from the audience reactions we've had, they quite enjoy it. Yeah. And we're quite lucky in our group because we have um, some people that are really good at physical comedy. So Michael is a really good physical comedy. Um, person and the reason we originally started doing commentating was is because he's very good at sound effects uh, and sort of it developed into this game um, and when James is doing it James Barras Banks is doing it as well they're very good at action and playing off each other so when you see that on a stage it works really well and then the final game we'd always do something that was silly but yeah, yeah. not something the audience probably wouldn't expect so a lot of our shows that we've done we used to do the a game called um three date dinner or it's something like that i don't actually know the name for it um so you have someone on the date so they would again so to speak 
play the straight person in the scene. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but you know what I mean. Um, and then they'd be on a date with one person with three different personalities. All right. So there would be three improvisers. So one of them would be a emotion, and they would have to like amp it up to the highest they can. So if you're excited, you have to be like, ha-ha! Um, the second person would be um, something that they would obsess with. So um, we've had like, um, you believe you're a cat or you believe you're made of wood or something silly like that. And then the final one would be like a cartoon character or like a TV character. All right. So we've had things like Batman, Homer <laughs> Simpson. And and then the idea is, is that you flip between the three of you to, um, to make a scene. So like... Caroline's on this one person with the date, but then they have to tap in and tap out to oh, right. yes, yes. make a scene. So we've done that quite a few times and that got a good feel. And then before Christmas, we decided to completely do something different. And I think we're going to bring it back again because I found it really fun to do. And also I think um, the audience weren't expecting it. So we were playing, um, oh, what is the name? Um, it goes by a lot of different names. It's the the hand one. Look, no hands. Sometimes people call it. Um, oh right, yes. So you got the person standing with their hands on their hips, yeah. and then the other person puts their arms. Yeah. through. I've heard it called arms through. That's it, arms oh, through. Yeah. So people, yeah. I've heard yeah. it from so many different names now. I couldn't even tell you. Never good, yeah. And yeah. we call it something different every time as well. So. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so we do the arms through game. Um, and when we were rehearsing it, we were trying to think of new, like different ways of doing it, or how we could go about doing it. And then we thought the felt the best way of doing it was ways we have seen it performed, where you have um, like a TV show host interviewing someone. Um, usually when we've seen it done, it's usually like they're, you know, the person's just moving their hands. Obviously on whose line is it anyway, you get them actually using like cakes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So we wanted to sort of try, if we could try and bring that sort of element to the stage, but in a way that we could do it and it obviously wasn't. So what we did was is we had um, Mike as the armless person and me as the arms and we made a makeup demonstration. <laughs> what with real makeup? Yep. <laughs> and it was my job without even seeing what I'm doing to put makeup on Mike. And like he had like lipstick all over his face. And, but it was quite the audience reaction was like I think it was quite from what we heard afterwards as well, they actually weren't expecting it and they actually really enjoyed it. So yeah, I think yeah. it's something we're probably gonna do again or think of a new way of doing it. And so yeah, that's sort of the concept is you have the talking uh, or the sort of warm up game, the action game with small one about four people and then we finish with a silly game to sort of round it off yeah. and then the end of it to sort of finish off the show we sort of have like um i can't decide who wins it's up to you and then we get the audience to vote <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah so that's basically the concept of our show in a nutshell <laughs> that's really fun it's really fun mm. and it's nice that you're doing new games rather than i mean i suppose i'm not the average audience because I see a lot of improv shows yeah. and I love short form I, I think mm. it's you know it's brilliant um, but uh, you know sometimes it's just nice to see it's nice to be surprised yeah and once you're surprised you know, you're kind of more engaged with the show um, but I'm going to play devil's advocate here and go okay why short form why play short form? You should be doing long form. All the cool kids are doing long form. <laughs> you see, I, I'm gonna, I, I will stand in short form's corner and I will fight short form's corner and I will stand there and I will moan. Like, I will invite you to do so now. Like <laughs> don't get me bit. wrong. Long form, I have seen a lot of good long form shows and I could tell you something that I really liked. Um, but for me, I because of what... I think the reason I love short form so much is I love silly. I've always loved wacky. 
Um, for me, the thing about improv is, is that I'm not doing it for what I think some people see it as, as an art form. I don't know if that's right, but that's how I see how some people see it as. I do it because it escapes me from what, I, well, I say it escapes me from what I do as a job. It sort of does. Like, I have quite a heavy, intense job, and improv to me is just a fun thing to do. And I like short form for the fact of that they are short form, they are short games, they are like, you have to be a really wacky, crazy character, you you know, you don't have to build up a scene, you can actually go in and, you know, be a crazy character with loads of arms and like, or <laughs> be snooty or, that's what I like about it is, is that it's to the point, it's there and it's done and I like the fact that, the thing I like about short form is where it's fast, fast paced and, um, you know, you're guessing when you're seeing it, like, you know, if you don't, if you're not keen on something that you're seeing, at least it's going to be done in two minutes yeah. and, you know, I do like long form to watch it and I have done a bit of long form, but for me personally, it's not something I want to do. It's like, long form to me is like, I suppose, well, it's a bit like Marmite. Like I like some, but I don't like all of them. That's not how Marmite works. No, but for me, that's how I like Marmite. I have to be in the mood for Marmite. That's how I like Marmite. Fair enough. That's very much not the the traditional advertising that Marmite have gone for. It's not, you like it sometimes when you're in the mood for it, and other times you don't like it when you're not in the mood for it. That's in many ways a less strong advertising campaign. Well, for me, that's how I see Marmite. I have to be in the mood to watch Mar to eat Marmite, and I have to be in the mood to watch long form. <laughs> I would say that out of all the long form stuff, like there's a lot of long form shows I've really enjoyed. Um, I, I recently saw um, oh, um, Angela um, Angela from Hoopla's um, show, um, Danny and Sandy, oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I thought that was really clever. I really yes, liked that. It was a great amazing. show. Yeah. Um, and I like long form shows, like things like that one. When you watch it, you're engaged, and it, you know, it has you get engaged with what you're seeing. And I love musical improv. Like I, I've seen so many good long form musical improvs that I will happily say that I'm a huge fan of that. But when it comes to actual long form, I understand the art form. I get why people like it. But for me personally, it's not something I enjoy doing. Yeah. Like I've done a few of them. I enjoy doing them, like performing in them, but watching them. It, I'm really like I like them if they're going to entertain me but I don't know with short form it's just like you know you can just be wacky and I think that's why I like it you, you know you, you know I have sometimes such a serious job that it's quite nice to channel it somewhere <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 no I entirely agree and I, I love short form as well as long form yeah. and especially if you've got a night with you know a couple of groups on mm. if a short form group come on I go oh brilliant I could just yeah. relax and just enjoy myself for a bit yeah. and we're not going to Oh, you know, because I love improv, but sometimes I just find it exhausting. So yeah. you come on with a you know high energy, uh, short form group. It just bring you know gives a bit of variety tonight. So yeah. I'm always very glad when I see one on the bill. <laughs> I mean, I went to um, guest speaker before Christmas um, for the first time, Suki Webster's um, thing, and that was a whole night which is they do short form and then they do the speeches at the end. They do like a guest speech where they do they have to have different styles of doing a speech. And that was one of the best shows I've been to being in London. I was so impressed at how good they all are. Not just the short form games, but the actual speeches at the end. I mean, one of them did a whole speech for 10 minutes in poetry. And that to me was just so, yeah. I love poetry anyway, but just things like that. That's what I like about it. You can do that with short form. Whereas with long form, you're constantly thinking about what's just happened. What, you know, I'm a video editor in my job. I don't want to be doing it on stage <laughs> as well. And I think that's probably why I like short form as well is because, because I am an editor and I predominantly work in short form editing um to me i like things cut 
like when it needs to be cut and yeah, sometimes yeah. with long form and they're not cut where they should be cut yes. and it's not everyone it's just sometimes just like it needs to be an edit it needs to be an edit yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know whether that's because I'm an editor it's just that thing that constantly is in my head it's sort of so yeah I think that's my first short form is you don't have to worry about that it's sort of that's really interesting the transference the transfer the transferring of yeah that editing from one part of your life into mm-hmm. the improv part of your life I've not considered the would be transferable skills well i think i've only really realized it recently because i never understood like like as you know yourself in london long form is huge like long form is the way to go with a lot of improv um but from actually thinking about it i think that's why i don't like long form is because you know for me as an editor i'm always given like lots of different video footage yeah. to cut and to cut it short yeah. and for me long form improvisation is like that to me is like the long footage I get like it's not cutting out the bits that need to go away it's all of it and I think maybe that's the reason why I'm not the fan of long form that I should be the fan of I think that's what it is fair enough so but with musical improv that completely I I ignore that I love musical improv (laughs) (laughs) you can justify anything with a song and a dance (laughs) so you mentioned you did the uh, hoopla course with Phil Lunn yes how was that Loved it. I've actually done up to the advanced one this year as well, oh, so I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, I felt like since when I first started doing improv, when I first trained, um, I found every time I was coming home with a massive smile on my face and feeling like a kid in a candy shop. And I've only been doing improv, I would say, for just it's about two, coming up two and a bit years, I think now. Um, and through the time I've obviously had bits where I've been like, oh, this is so fun, and like learning from Shem from C3 something, some of his lessons, they were some of the best I've ever had. He's <laughs> so, he's great the way he's got so much energy. Yeah. Um, but I found with Phil Lund's course, it's like I had that thing when I first started improv, yeah. the feeling of like, I can't stop smiling. I yeah. feel really amazing and, oh my God, this is so clever. Like, <laughs> how are we doing this? Like, this rhyme is so simple. But I think because I've, I've, play instruments as well and I always have done since the age of three I think the whole factor of bringing everything together I love doing anything music to me was just oh my goodness this has just opened everything up for me (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah I always had a big smile on my face every time I was doing that the fun thing about musical improv is that you get back some of the joy and excitement that you get when you first start doing improv Mm -hmm. because it is it's hard but it's it's really rewarding yeah um and when you manage to do it there's a great amount of satisfaction yeah well even if you don't manage to do it and you fail and you gave it a try that's also very satisfying as well yeah i mean i i I totally agree with you it's the fact that when you start learning how to do the structures of the songs and you do them the first time it's like oh i actually did it (laughs) (laughs) and then even the people that you know probably weren't from a musical background I mean to see how much they developed over eight weeks yeah. and then to go on stage to something they never thought they would do yeah. it, it's a, it's an amazing thing to see and I, I don't know I just I just loved it and I can't wait to do the next part because cool. it's great <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent uh, so how did you get into improv in the first place so um in 2015 I started writing um, a site called the phoenix remix um the reason I started writing it was is that I've sort of, when I was younger, I wanted to be a journalist, and I went to university to study journalism, and then realised that I didn't like law and I didn't like politics, so right. I left the course. Okay. <laughs> but I've always wanted to keep writing. So when I was at university, I was always writing, you know, for, and it went on and went on and went on. Um, but then when I in 2014, 2015. 
one of my friends from uni wanted he had a podcast as well um that was more about like gaming and films and things um but he had like a website to go along with it and he wanted to contribute it so i was writing for him and then he turned around um midway through 2015 and was like I don't, I'm not in the mood to write anymore. People aren't writing for it. The only one that wants to write for it is my mum. So <laughs> wow. it turned into his mum's blog. So wow. like, and they said, you can still write for it. And I was like, this is a bit weird. Writing for someone, my friend's mum's blog seems a bit weird. So, <laughs> so I thought the best thing to do was to start my own. So I started the Phoenix Remix as sort of like something to channel my writing. Because I find if I don't write, I sort of have like... a. I suppose it's like, you know how you get your stress or energy out? Yeah. To me, writing is a way of dealing, not, I don't have stress, but like dealing with yeah. just writing and your creative juices, you know, that sort of thing. I keep a longhand <laughs> diary and it's exactly that. And yeah. I find if I don't get it out on the page, I just yeah. feel that it's all kind of crowding in on me. So yeah, I yeah. know exactly what you mean. So when I, in the end of 2015, I got a job in Newcastle and I moved up there um, because it was in live television, which is what I wanted to do. Um, so I moved up there, not knowing anyone, not having any family up there, so I was pretty much on my own. And all I was doing was, I said to myself, every month I'm going to a gig. That's all I said to myself. And I went to, in the first couple of months there, when I didn't really know anyone apart from work people, I went to like, Jimmy Carr was fine. And the next month, the only thing I was One Direction. So I went to One Direction. Excellent. How were One Direction? <laughs> they were actually really good. Actually, they were. Actually, they were. I was shocked at how good they were. They were actually quite entertaining. <laughs> um, Who's your favourite One Dia? I can't even. They were, I couldn't. I suppose. They were all good performing together. I couldn't, like, I suppose nowadays on their solo stuff, I suppose out of all of them, I listened to maybe, is it, what are their names? Louis? Is it Louis? I don't know. The one that does all the dance stuff. I don't like Zane. I, just, <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, but I wanted to do comedy, basically. <laughs> Oh, this has gone into more of a pop conversation than an improv oh, conversation. I've, I've, it's only taken 87 episodes and now we're, now we're doing the pop conversation. We should do this that. is what happens when we're in a room together. <laughs> oh, and I was just thinking about another time what happened when we were in a room together. But um, by what I mean is we were on stage dancing and singing to the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, and my friend from New, um, Newcastle was an improviser was very jealous because he loves Backstreet Boys. <laughs> And you know what? I'm not even joking. I'm not, I will go back to improv in a minute. But I'm shocked since I've um, in my, since t- going into my twenties. I'm shocked at how many people that are boys love Backstreet Boys. Honestly, the amount yeah. of people that I've met that are guys that are obsessed with Backstreet Boys is shocking. Well, I wouldn't say I was obsessed, <laughs> but I find the uh, message of Backstreet's back yeah. very reassuring because as long as there'll be music, they'll be coming back for more and. I hadn't even realised that I'd missed them, uh, but the fact that they were coming back uh, reassures me, makes me feel better. I used to know someone in my university that whenever he like had a few drinks, he used to get really passionate and cry about Backstreet Boys. Really? <laughs> yeah. um, what's that one about? There's one called The Perfect Fan, isn't there? It's all yeah. about their mums. Yeah. <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> Anyway, back to the improv. Enough about boy bands. We could be here for a long time. <laughs> so yeah, so I so I wanted basically. I was thinking I'd do improv before I moved away from London, but I was commuting to here. I was one way for work every day, so I had I was shattered. I, yeah. So when I moved to Newcastle and. Um, I had no friends. <laughs> I had no work. Get the violins out. Um, 
I looked at what there was to do in the area and I came across um, the suggestibles um, that did improv. So I was like, okay, that sounds fun. So I went along to, they did like, they do either the six week beginners course or they do three weekends at the stand. Um, I'm not sure if they do the weekends anymore, but they definitely do the weekdays. Um, so I went along for the weekends because I thought it would get me out of the house and doing yeah, yeah. something apart from sightseeing. So, and I went along and that's how I got into improv. And it, I was, I wrote about it. Like I thought, let's write an article about it. And ever since I've started improv, every single week I've done improv, I've written about it. Wow. So I've got like on my, um, on my site, I've got records of every single thing I've done. And it's amazing to see how much you develop from yeah, looking yeah, through yeah. it. And I fell in love with it. And Ian and Bev of The Suggestibles are so good at improv. They used to uh, train with them. Um, they've done shows and stuff with people like um, Josie Lawrence yeah, and yeah. people like that. So they yeah. really know what they're talking about. And they just taught me a lot of stuff. And I trained with them. And in Newcastle, they were really the, the, the people to go to. There's, they were the improv scene. There wasn't really, as far as I knew, there wasn't any other improv people to go to to train. And that's how I got into improv. And the community of Newcastle for the actual improv side is there's such a lovely bunch of people yeah, yeah. that you know you didn't want to be anywhere else you just were always it, they were just lovely people to be around and yeah. there was such a great energy and so yeah. what sort of things were they doing is that short form long form they when i was up there they were predominantly doing short form so we were obviously doing the basics when i was in the basic courses with them and then we went on to do stuff like um all short form stuff but it was more focusing on things like um oh various stuff we did um trust like how to do trusting so we had um, one of their suggestibles called Tom um, he was a great trainer he only came in now and again but he did the most craziest things I've never <laughs> done him from again in my life one of the things he decided for us to do was is get into pairs one person blindfolded in each uh, pair and yes. then put music on and just walk around the room oh, yes. and the next time he said if you can walk and jump around the room and um, this guy called Karam and this girl Jackie they were so trusting that she was jumping in the air everywhere and <laughs> all that sort of thing so it was it was great it was yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing that sort of thing and um, we learned we did like lessons on like character um, opening scenes because I, I the thing I found quite scary when I started doing improv like I don't feel it anymore so I'm not sure if we do it a lot down in the south is um as part of, they used to have like a monthly show called The Rat Race, and like what it used to be, the formats changed now. Is but back then it was like you'd have different rounds, um, and they'd always be the same. So you'd have like the alphabet game, and then you'd have like um, um, uh, New Choice, yeah. But then there'd be new one, choice. yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, ah! <laughs> I'm not on the ball, <laughs> um, and then they have one that was like you go into the scene with no suggestion. And that scared the hell out of me because to me, going on stage with no suggestion, that to me was really, really scary actually going on. So yeah. we, um, and I think it was scary to quite a lot of people because it was something that people weren't used to being, you know, given a word or something to go on. So we did a few lessons on training on that sort of thing as well. You see, I quite like going on stage with nothing because even if I get a suggestion, I forget the suggestion really, <laughs> really? quickly. <laughs> You see, nowadays, because obviously when you do drop-in sessions, when I used to receive three something, you don't always get a suggestion. Yeah. And I don't find it an issue now. But yes. back then, I found it a huge barrier and a huge wall to come across. I found it the most scariest thing. I think it is the sort of thing that the more improv you do, the easier it gets because you know to make eye contact with the other yeah. person and you can get a lot of information from that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I understand how... You know, it could be yeah. a scary thing to do. 
I mean, I mean, like I said, from since coming down here, I haven't felt it, but that I I don't know why I found it so daunting. So I I decided one of the shows because before we did the shows, we always just say who wants to do what. Is there any suggestion? You know, um, and I said in one of my last shows up there, I was like, I want to do that. I said I want to try. I'm you know I want to throw myself in the deep end, and I went on and like now if there's no suggestion, you sort of know to go on with like an action or yes. like a character, and that builds the scene. But back then, yes. because I was still quite new to improv, I didn't know that at all. And I I went on the stage and I just had this idea. I was thinking of randomly Lisa Simpson came into my head and there's an episode with Lisa Simpson where her tap shoes go crazy right. and I went on stage and just started doing this random like like I was a scientist in a lab and yeah. we'd forgotten to assign someone to come on stage with me so there was already an awkwardness because <laughs> I forgot to come on stage and then I sort of felt a bit bad because I threw my scene partner into this scene where I had this idea of these crazy shoes going mad and my, she, Peth ended up getting involved and actually you know going with it but it was so wacky and I think I was my idea when I went on was just go on go wacky and it will sort itself out but obviously from doing improv more now I realised you can't just go wacky on stage because everyone's like what's going on and it was sort of one of those situations where it wasn't bit up as a scene it felt a bit crazy and at the time to me it was it was a scary thing to do because like I said that was a thing I found scary and um afterwards I found it quite hard to deal with the fact that it wasn't getting a lot of laughs but when I look at it now yeah. I realise why I hadn't justified yeah, yeah, yeah. anything <laughs> I just got on doing wacky dance moves because that's how I coped with the situation at the time yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah that was something I found quite hard to deal with and now it's weird because now I don't mind going on stage if there's no suggestion but um, but another thing we learned as well in Newcastle was um, they did Camille, Comedia dell'arte oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, that I was shocked at the strength of power that masks can have on you when you do sort of mask play and um we did it to sort of get introduced into long form that's how i got introduced to long form was through the masks wow so you'd put a mask on and then you'd like you'd create a character and then you'd do like a little whatever the character would do to you to create this character then after we'd all came across had our own characters we then did scenes where we would be two people on stage only talking in gibberish as our characters yeah and then we played at this massive long long form in a hotel and then after we'd all done it in gibberish we then took the masks off and we were got told to redo the whole thing again with words wow that's and really interesting that's how i got introduced into long form was by doing commedia dell'arte and yeah. sort of going in that way so it was a good way to go, be introduced into long form yeah confused the hell out of me of what long form was at first <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in some ways it was really clever to see how it all developed and stuff but no, I've done a bit of research into that and a bit of reading and it seems really interesting. I'd like mm. to do some more but I haven't managed to do any sort of actual mask work but I'd like to try and do that this year because I think it's, it would be interesting to see what that mm. unearths mm. and what kind of characters that accesses. Well, Caroline from Pandestanably, she's completely scared of them. Really? And she um, went to the course. I booked on a course but I couldn't make it such a different place. And she went to it to face her fears and she came back and she said to me, Holly, I can't believe the power it has on me. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was amazed at what it did to her, but yeah. at the same time, I, I don't know if that scared her because it takes you over. It's such yes. an unusual Yes, because it's not you doing the thing. It's the mm. mask or it's not the mask doing. I don't know. Yeah, it, it kind of gives you permission to do things that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's how I got into info was through the suggestibles and... We used to go to shows to see them all the time and stuff, and you know it's great seeing because they would have like the short form for a lot of like the like a lot of their show, 
and then they would um, do like a 15 minute musical at the end and that's sort of the first real improv musical I saw was them um, they always do it on um, uh, the base of um, an Andrew Lloyd Webber title called The Aspects Of so instead oh, right. of The Aspects of Love yeah, yeah, the yeah. audience would then choose the theme so ah, the aspects of magic the aspects of this or yeah. that and the best one I saw of theirs actually there was two really good ones I saw one of them was The Aspects of Hypnosis and I was amazed how they created these scenes on stage out of nothing. Like it ended up being a story about someone gets hypnotized and goes gets locked in this strange land. Um, and I was amazed at how they brought that to life on stage with just the simplest of props. And then the other one was called the aspects of um, unrequited love. And that one again really amazed me because I've always been someone who loves physical comedy and like the humor and like I, with short form I like it because you can sort of see things outside the box and change the dynamics and. Tom from The Suggestibles is very good at doing that. So everyone was doing like scenes about like, oh, I can't be with him or, oh, I can't be with her. Um, Tom comes on and he does a song about a pigeon who can't be with a human. And it was the most beautiful <laughs> thing in the world. But it stuck with me to this day because it was the best song and everyone was on stage dancing like pigeons and singing this round and pigeon song. <laughs> cool. Uh, so maybe we should talk a little bit more about the Phoenix Remix site. Yeah. Um... So you've got various people contributing to it? Yes, yes. So the last year or so we've sort of expanded and we've got a writing team, which is really, like, we all do it voluntary, but it's quite nice to have people sort of, you know, interested about writing about comedy. So we have um, Mariana, who's part of Word and Muff, uh, C3-something, um, talking dog. She does a lot of stuff, but she does stand up now as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's become a regular, she's jumped on board and becomes a regular writer now for C3 something. So she's always writing about what shows they've got coming up in Waterloo, um, what shows she's come, coming up with Word of Muffers, things like that. Um, and it's really nice having them on board because it's sort of, I think, cross promotes for them. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if people don't know who they are, there's a, there's a doorway for that. And um, I sort of approached to see through something about it last year originally and said why don't you because Carleen wanted to write she said I want to write I don't know where to write and I said well write for me I said I don't mind I said you can do what you want yeah, I said yeah. like I, you know if you need something to push you to write I'll happily you know so they all came on board and they've done some great things like Shem um, Pennant he's been in New York a lot so he um, live uh, Facebook messaged all the details happening at one of UCB shows um, and we got really good feedback on that and it was amazing to like he was doing really in-depth stuff about all these shows he was seeing yeah, yeah, yeah. and things like that and it was really so we're trying to probably do that more this year um because i think it's good in good insight into the sort of shows um we have a guy called jay um in oxford um corker and he's a stand-up comedian and it's, he actually contacted me on, on Twitter to say he wants to write. And I was like, come on board. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he writes about um, the Oxford stand-up community and he interviews acts and stuff down there. Um, because he's a stand-up comedian, he's obviously travelling a lot. So he doesn't write a lot, but it's great the stuff that he is writing. It's really interesting to see what's happening over in... Because we initially started doing predominantly stand-up because my love has always been stand-up comedy. So... But now we're doing more improv and sort of even more doing a lot of more improv community stuff now. And then um, we have a film writer called Karam, who's another improviser. <laughs> uh, but he loves film, so uh, he wanted to write about film. So I thought it was really good, you know. And um, we have um, 
the weirdest thing. So last summer, I decided I wanted to interview loads of people doing festivals. And I thought, I'm going to interview people in America. So I just I started to research what shows and festivals were happening in America. And um, the Milwaukee Comedy Festival was happening. So I was like, okay, I'll just message a few people and send a few advertising tweets out to see if I can get anyone to talk to us. And we did. And I was like, oh, great, this is cool. So <laughs> we had a few like sketch comedy acts um, uh, a few improv groups um, and then this comedian um, called John Egan um, who does stand up a lot in that sort of area and he goes and tour a lot in the in the US so if you want to find out more about him Egan J on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, he does a YouTube channel where he tries all these new unusual snacks that they have in America <laughs> and I was thinking because I've listened to stand-up comedians like uh, John Robbins and Ellis James, they do something called Tick of the Taste in their podcast yeah. where they try the UK things. I was thinking, well, people like that sort of thing. And he was trying really, like, like things we've never got over here. So, like, um, cereal where it, like, pops. Like, not, um, you know, like that uh, fairy dust stuff that pops in your mouth? Yes, they put, popping candy. Yeah, they yeah, put yeah. that in cereal. They've made, like, Cheetos, like, with macaroni cheese inside at Burger King. Oh, um, yeah, I don't think I like the sound of that. <laughs> no, but they've done all these unusual flavours and all these unusual snacks, and I was like, that's really interesting. So I ended up talking to him after interviewing him about his show, and we sort of do a collaboration thing now. So every Tuesday, I write about Taste of States, which is um, sort of expanding on what he does as review videos and sort of expanding so UK audiences know what these foods are and like if they're still in the market. So if they go to America, they can try them for themselves, which is always... I suppose nice to know and you know I think the weirdest thing I ever saw in America was bacon toothpaste so <laughs> well yes I suppose if it harms none then uh, go for it but yeah, yeah not for me no but this year we're trying to with what I want to do is because we did a lot of interviewing with a lot of improv groups and a lot last year um, we're trying to I want to try and reach out to more of the UK this year like we've interviewed a few this month like from Nottingham and from Birmingham um, but I think I, I'm sure you agree, well, not that you agree, but because you do an improv podcast as well, you it, it's such a big community now that there's so much to talk about, isn't there? And yeah, and I'm very much this year hoping to build on what I did last year. I went up to Birmingham last year, had an amazing time, so I'd really like to get to other places mm. in the UK. Because it's so nice meeting improvisers, because even though you don't know them, you have... Uh, sort of a shared way of working, a shared way of communicating. Yeah. And everyone in Birmingham made me feel so welcome. And yeah. I thought, oh, you know, I could I could live here. You know, I, I already have a circle of friends yeah. that I made much faster than, you know, I ever did before I did improv. So uh, That's what I love about the improv community. It doesn't matter where you go in the UK, everyone is just so friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I, when I moved back down here from Newcastle, I was like quite nervous because London, like, is a huge place, and making the initial decision of where to go first is like a scary decision. Yeah. Um, and everyone was just really welcoming and really friendly, and like, I think you're right as well. Like, it is a like some people don't even know that there's improv communities in certain areas of the UK. Yeah. Like. I remember when I moved back down here and I was telling people, oh, I trained in Newcastle. I was like, there's improv in Newcastle? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they're the North East, they're like massive in the improv. But again, there's no there's no real channel to promote that or there's no real channel to show that. And I think by having the podcast that you do and by the site that I'm trying to write, I'm trying to sort of do that. And I've been talking to, like I said, Axe and Nottingham and stuff this week. And they're like, they're messaging me going like, how did you find us? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how? And it's like, well, I'm doing the research, obviously, but at the same time, like, 
I think, you know, I think you need to, London isn't always the only area for improv. There's some massive improv communities out there that yeah. people, you know, probably may not have heard of about or... So yeah, that's why I like you know it's nice to talk to them, and it's also interesting to hear about what people do and like yes. the training or like how they got into improv, and that's how we started our feature, um, improv. I changed our life. It was literally one of the first things that fascinated me when I started doing improv was um, I used to ask people how they got into improv, just as a small talk thing. But then I met people that were there because they were in the council and they wanted to train themselves in confidence before doing presentations. Or I met a lot of electrical engineers. Yeah, um, interesting. Which I found out in Newcastle that I've, they're the statistically highest people that do improv, like electrical really? engineers. Apparently so, that's wow. what I got told. I don't know if it's true. But that's interesting. <laughs> but it was all people with various backgrounds doing it. And I thought... I'm interested in it. I don't know if anyone else could be interested in it, but I asked a few people around to see if they wanted to tell their story. And then I had people contacting me saying they wanted to tell their story. I was like, okay, great. And then every single one, I started it in August and we finished in December. It's going to come back again this year. Every single one has been different. Yeah. No one has gone to improv the same way. And every single story of how improv has done something to their life is amazing. I mean, some of them, like, I asked them because I knew them. But then when I read their story, I was like, oh my goodness, like, I feel like. <laughs> like it's really like quite serious how they got like some of them are like it's amazing what improv has done to them and what happened and why they got into improv and like some people have done it again like me sort of you know trying to channel a way of getting into comedy but everyone's is different and we've had so many people like commenting us not even people that are necessarily improvising themselves saying they're really enjoying actually reading them because I don't think they realise how much improv actually does to someone I don't think You know, I think so. It's a fun thing to read from my perspective, but from also hearing other people's stories on how they find it as well. I think, I mean, there's been news articles recently about what improv is doing for people as well. So, yeah, cool. How has doing the Phoenix Remix site changed your life? Well, it means I write a lot more, put it that way. <laughs> it, it, honestly, it's crazy. Like, when I first started it, I was writing, we had about, well, I didn't really think about people reading it. I literally was writing maybe one or two articles a week, a bit about music, because I love music, and about something in stand-up that I enjoyed doing. And then it gradually grew a bit more that I'd write about, because I was I really, well, I don't listen to as much, I do listen to podcasts, but like I was really into, like, the... Radio X podcast, and I was listening. I still listen to a lot now, but I was sort of listening to those sort of comedians, so like Josh Widdicombe, James Acaster, all that sort of people. Um, so I was writing mainly about them a lot because that's who I was listening to and who I was watching. Yeah, yeah, and then I would write reviews on the stand up I was seeing, and then that was what it was. It was just a few things here and there. And then we get to our second birthday last year, and I've written a thousand articles in two years. Wow. <laughs> So that's just giving you an aspect of how much it's risen in like, yeah. but it is a lot of writing because I write predominantly a lot of it, but I don't like dislike, I like doing it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? What could somebody do to delight you if they were to perform with you on stage? Oh, I like it when people give big offers. Like I like it. I think, again, I think this is because of my short form background. Like, I love when someone comes on stage in a character. That makes me very happy because I find sometimes when you, even when you watch short form, not everyone uses the character. They go on stage and they're like, hi, or they're just like their normal selves yeah. or like a person. They don't like, 
and I love people that go on stage and actually become a character when they go on stage. So whether it's using their nose to create a character or their knees or something, I like that. So characters is always a good thing. Um, I think trust as well. Trust is a really important thing. Um, I like when you do scenes with people that I think it comes obviously with getting to know someone and how they improvise. But when you improvise with someone for the first time or you're not used to improvising with them, um, I, you know, it's it's always getting used to getting to know them some yeah. people it works and you gel really well but sometimes it can be quite if people aren't willing to give you an offer on stage it can be quite hard to sort of work with that person in, yeah. in an improv scene um i find sometimes like if you don't have a good offer to start with or if your your partner isn't trusting you know trustworthy to the side of you like i'm not a shy person i'm quite outgoing but it's the same in social situations that if i'm in a place with loads of loud people or a place where i feel uncomfortable then you're naturally going to stop talking or you're just going to talk for the sake of it and i think it's the same with improv if you're on scene with someone that's not helping you build a scene it can sometimes be quite hard so i think you need i like the idea of offers or being there if something you know if something falls flat then they're helping you or vice versa it needs to work both ways yeah cool and when you're performing with punders, yeah. uh, do you like to give the other players gifts or do you like to mess with them? It depends who I'm on stage with. <laughs> it really does depend because some people like... Um, it's sometimes really fun to pimp a player, like yeah. because you know of their like, especially when you're an improv group, you know their limitations and what they would do. So um, when I'm on stage with someone like Caroline, love working with Caroline, but with Caroline, you some you know you would go on stage and you will see where the scene goes before maybe throwing a curveball because not that she couldn't deal with it she's a fantastic improviser it's just it's the way you work with someone on stage whereas if I went on stage with someone like Michael or Ben I would do it because I knew because sometimes it's fun seeing how they react to that sort of thing <laughs> or they're very good at becoming a person so um, Mike is very good like I've said before about, about being silent and about audio and very physical as a character so um, we always tend to try and give him really physical things yeah, yeah. and like when we do rehearsals we always try and make him do ridiculously crazy things all the time <laughs> um, but again it depends who you're on stage with a lot of the time but yeah. I think you have to feel comfortable before you can start like go do this because you don't know if they're going to be able to react or respond to it yeah, so yeah, yeah. Well, we do that sometimes a lot in punders it really depends on you know but we're always up for a laugh and, you know. <laughs> yeah. But you, yeah you do need to know the person and yeah yeah. To be fair with, um, understandably, we do a lot of social media. Like, um, and one of the things we do is we do dub smashes just for the fun. So what's a dub smash? So a dub smash is an app where, like, it's all music related again. Where like, it's like thirty seconds of some random song. So it could be anything from your blues to Yes Cop Seven to like Marilyn Manson. If you really want to go down that route, and then you basically you sort of lip sync to it and dance to it or something, and you record it. It's a social media app, but we use it for social advertising ourselves. All right, yeah, yeah. So we used to have a thing called Motivational Monday where we would just record loads of random videos of us all doing random dancing and stuff. And we've done, like, Christmas ones. We did a lot of Christmas song ones. And then Halloween, we did a lot of Halloween ones. And then on normal days, we would do things like Titanic's um, Celine Dion. And we had, like, Michael and James Burris Banks, like, doing the actual Titanic dance. Um, we've had the guys, because we've got four boys in our group, we make the boy band punders. And then we make them do all boy band stuff, and then they do dance routines and all that sort of thing. So, so they're that silly. So <laughs> if they could be that silly doing stuff for social media where everyone can see it, then yeah, they're yeah. fine to do things on stage and 
offers and stuff that we give them so yeah you know because I made a note of the fact that you do really good sort of yeah social media kind of video kind of things to promote the groups which is lots of fun it is a lot of fun. I mean, when we do rehearsals, we don't take videos because if rehearsing, you don't want people to see your rehearsing. But photos, we don't feel, are a bad thing. We do take a lot, but we try and present them in funny ways when we put them on yeah, social yeah. media. Um, and like I said, the videos, we do a lot of them. But what I noticed with when we were doing show promotions, and we still try and do it a lot now, is like we like to do trailers to run alongside, sort of because it's so different. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. maybe because I'm a video editor person I like doing that sort of thing but then again the guys don't mind doing that sort of thing as well so um, we um, we we when we let we lost Chloe and Kevin I thought instead of just introducing new people I was like no this is a big change I know we're not a big group but let's do something to be interesting and I just met um, a, di a director a guy called Mark so um, Max Sobel um, through one of my TV jobs and he was like he does a lot of comedy in his spare time as well with um, his group called see you next Tuesday and they do lots of random YouTube things on Tuesdays <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, he loves doing that sort of thing and he's got a really good voice a voiceover it's just like I want to use you <laughs> so um, so um, I had this idea of doing like um, a crime like short film to sort of like where are they now <laughs> So we got him to do like a voiceover and we did like a sort of American CSI like documentary based thing where me and James Stone were being like interviewed like we they were there they're not there now what's happened we don't you know that sort of story and then we did reenactions of like them texting and stuff and <laughs> um, it got quite a lot of hits on online yeah. um, so we thought when we introduced a new group we'd do a video then so we just did a little silly video and then we did like a lot of graphic stuff to sort of promote them um, coming in um, but Whenever we release a new show, we try and theme it. The show isn't the show is always in Prof Towers, but we like theming our posters because it's fun to do and yeah, it's yeah. different to what you know what some people do. It's nice to have a themed poster, always based on some parody of whatever. So for one of our shows, we based it on Guardians of the Galaxy, but called it Guardians of Improvisation. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so then what we did is we just basically mocked that did a mock of the trailer, um, where we had. Um, I played loads of random different roles as these random makeup because I wasn't I was because I was leading the show I was the host that night I didn't really want to be one of the heroes of the show yeah, yeah, yeah. so I thought have them as all the hero parts because that makes sense so um, we we they we filmed it through some of our rehearsals and then I edited you know we edited it together and made these trailers and it went really well yeah. um, and it, it's fun and we enjoy doing it sometimes we don't have the time to do the massive trailer but we try and fit them in when we can because it's something that different to you know it's fun to do yeah cool cool right big final big final question oh, okay go on then so uh what's your signature move when you're on stage what does everyone go oh classic holly <laughs> saving the day again with her signature move oh dear <laughs> i don't know if I, I would say physical is my thing i love being wacky and I think I would say just from doing rehearsals and stuff, understandably, and from stuff we used to do in Newcastle, I think physical games are my forte. Um, in our group, I mean, 
Caroline knows that I'm a huge fan of Charlie Chaplin, so if there's anything physical, she'll always go, ah, Charlie Chaplin, Holly, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing. But I would say, I suppose physical is my favourite thing to do. I love doing physical comedy. I like being the wacky person. Yeah, like, yeah, not yeah. always making sense on stage, but just moving about like a loony and hoping <laughs> it gets justified. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that. Well, can I just mention one more thing before we go? Um, because um, our show this year for Pondestandably, um, we've been doing 10 minute sets and stuff here and there, but in May we're actually doing our first. We've got we've we've um, booked out the Miller for a night. And we're wow. actually It's a big step. Yeah. <laughs> but we had, because people were saying to us, oh, you should do, it's a format you can extend. So we've, on the 22nd of May, we've, we've booked the venue out. Wow. <laughs> so we're going to have a few support acts and, you know, like, and have an actual show. But, Unlike other shows where they have like the support acts and then the show, we're actually going to make it one big show with the support acts intertwined. Whoa! So, oh, very exciting! Very exciting! So yeah, so that's our big project for this year. Yeah, and when's that? The twenty second of May. Twenty second of May, right? Okay, yes. cool. So yeah, I, I don't think I have anything. I can talk for ages. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, still, that's very much what I want for my guests. <laughs> They are unable to talk, then they are not a good guest. And you have been a good guest. So thank you very much. Thank you as well. <laughs> Bye. I made this. That's improv. <laughs>